to the Booting It podcast, where we lift the lid on breastfeeding and tell you what it's really like. I'm your host, Ruth, founder of BootingIt.com and proud mama of two. On the podcast, I'll be talking to people about their breastfeeding experience in the hopes that their stories will help and inspire others. From time to time, I'll also have a special guest on to delve deep into a breastfeeding topic. So let's get on with the show. to tell you that our sponsors of the Booping It podcast this week are Breast Friend, a brand offering eco-friendly breastfeeding accessories. Their mission is to make life a little easier when breastfeeding, and this is something I can totally get on board with. Their best-selling product is the Top Pop, which instantly makes any clothes feeding friendly. The Top Pop is a fastening system which helps hold your top up and out of the way so as to make feeding your little one easier. I really wish it had been on the market whenever I was getting to grips with breastfeeding my first baby and gaining the confidence to feed out and about. You can find out more about Breast Friend and buy their top pop online at www.breast-friend.co.uk. Stay tuned for more information about our sponsors later on in this episode. Today, I'm joined by academic and author, Professor Amy Brown. Amy has dedicated the last 15 years to breastfeeding research, specifically looking at the psychological, cultural and societal barriers to breastfeeding. As well as publishing over 100 papers on breastfeeding, she's also the author of several books, including The Positive Breastfeeding Book, Breastfeeding Uncovered, and why breastfeeding grief and trauma matter. Like any self-respecting breastfeeding advocate, I follow Amy closely on social media as her posts are always so engaging and informative. And she really opens your eyes as to how much more we need to do to support mothers and empower them on their breastfeeding journey. So welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Amy. Um, I'm going to just get stuck in and ask you the first question, Amy. So you often talk about how attitudes to breastfeeding in Western culture can have a detrimental impact on our ability to breastfeed successfully. Perhaps you could talk a bit more about what you mean by this. I think it's absolutely everything. So from the start of breastfeeding, so when you're pregnant for the first time, you can't help escape all the messaging around breastfeeding. You probably get some leaflet given to you or to- told to go on some website or something that tells you that breastfeeding is this great thing and we should all be trying to do it and it's great for your baby and it's great for you. And that may well be the case, but once the baby's there and you're trying to breastfeed, it's like that there are all these different layers against you. So you think, okay, everyone's encouraged me to breastfeed so there must be loads of support available you know when I give birth everybody who's around me if I'm in hospital giving birth will really know about breastfeeding and they'll be able to help with any problems and they'll have loads of time to support me surely and when I get home um, there will be a midwife coming out to see me because this is really important and if I need to go to the GP then they'll know everything about breastfeeding and you know surely this is going to be really well supported and I think the complete opposite happens. Yeah. A lot of the time, women are just hit with a lack of support from the professionals around them, not necessarily because they don't want to or they're not knowledgeable, but they simply haven't got the time and the system is breaking. And they're having to deal with and support so many different families that they haven't got the time anymore to sit with a mother and help her over a course of maybe a few hours to feed. But then it's all the other stuff as well. So it's the fact that everybody around you probably thinks the solution to any perceived breastfeeding problem is to give a bottle. 
So they don't really understand babies. They don't understand how babies work. Um, they don't understand how breastfeeding works. And if you say it's difficult or you're having a problem or you're exhausted, everyone tells you to stop. And then you go out in public and some weird person tells you that that's disgusting, that you're doing that in public, even though you're protected by law and it's obviously not disgusting. Um, you go into the shop and there are adverts everywhere for different formula milks. And there is loads of stuff being sent to you in the post about formula milks because you once signed up for something and didn't realise that in the small print you'd signed your life away to be kind of <laughs> sent formula stuff forevermore. And then you get around to going back to work and you think, all right, well, I'm still feeding. So surely this is really important. My employer will support that. And you're like, all right, okay, no, they're not doing that either. And it's all of that. It's the layers upon layers chipping away. And I just find it really weird. This almost gaslighting of breastfeeding's great, but oh, actually we're going to kind of subtly try and do everything we can to make you stop. Yeah. And then we're going to make you think it's your fault and then we're going to let you feel guilty about that. <laughs> it's kind of like you can't do right for doing wrong. Do you know what I mean? And like you say, it's all these layers, but it's almost like all these obstacles to having a successful breastfeeding journey. And if you don't, if you don't kind of, you know, adapt to it naturally and, you know, the baby doesn't take to it and you don't take to it naturally, then you sort of think, oh, there's something wrong with me. And then, as you say, so many of the medical professionals that we perhaps turn to, especially in those early days, you know, you sort of wrongly assume that they will know everything that you need to know about breastfeeding. And the, and unfortunately, that's just not the case. Yeah. And I think the concept, you know, of it being natural, so therefore it should be easy, is where a lot of us kind of go wrong. And we go wrong because nobody really informs us properly that even though it is natural and normal, that doesn't actually make it easy. I was describing it, you know, it's more along the lines of, a natural skill such as learning to walk rather than being able to breathe. It's not just automatic. It's not automatic that a baby will know instantly how to perfectly latch on. It's not automatic that you will know how to hold your baby in position them. It's something that you learn together with the right support. And people say, well, you know, if it's that natural and normal, why do we need all these layers of professional support around us? And the reason we need that is because we lost the skill of breastfeeding several generations ago when formula milk started to be marketed, you know, as science milk and something that was much better for a baby than breastfeeding ever could be. So we lost generations of babies being breastfed and mothers knowing how to breastfeed. So probably when we were growing up and certainly when our mothers were growing up, formula would have been completely normal and everywhere. So we wouldn't have had that vicarious experience of seeing other babies being breastfed and other women breastfeeding. So we didn't pick up all the little skills and the knowledge that are completely subtle and probably subconscious, such as babies are held a lot of the time, babies feed a lot of the time. Um, you can feed a baby in all sorts of positions. Yeah, a baby might feed 10 minutes after having the last feed. All of that would have been sort of drip, drip, drip in our environment around us. Instead, we got formula as the norm. So it's that reason we then need all these interventions and support. Um, you know, in generations gone by, you wouldn't have to have had a formal peer support group. 
it's just that all, all your women in the street would have been breastfeeding so they yeah. would have been your peer support group yeah. and that's not to say peer support groups aren't a brilliant thing they absolutely are but we're having to almost formalize and organize support in a way we never had to which again is another barrier if you don't know where to find that support or you're getting somebody supporting you who doesn't really know what they're talking about or sometimes has the belief that breastfeeding is difficult so actually they're going to help you formula feed because they're trying to be kind to you without realizing what breastfeeding might have meant to you I know I know it like uh, sometimes it is well-meaning when people say oh why don't you just give a bottle of formula but it really is not it's not the solution uh all the time to the the problem and um but yeah that's what people turn to but I know this is a big question um, but what would you consider to be one of the key ways we as a society can begin to start to support mothers in a better way to help them breastfeed? People always ask me this. They're like, what one thing would you do? And I'm like, I know oh, there's not probably well, there's not one solution. <laughs> um, and actually, I, I will give you an idea in a minute, but I'm going to just rant about this one idea first, because it never works. It's never going to work if we just change one thing. The whole situation is so complicated because there are so many barriers sort of working in unison together to create this environment that just kind of almost almost thinking like kind of, you know, those whack-a-mole games where it kind of hits women from all these different directions, no matter which sort of way they turn. So I've kind of noticed over the years that particularly sort of as an academic and doing research, quite often these research projects are designed where they're going to help women to breastfeed and they change one thing. So they put in some peer support or they do some professional training or they do one thing or another and then they don't have much of a difference and they go, oh, wow, why is that not happening? Does this mean that this doesn't work? And it's not that simple. These things don't work in isolation. They work as part of a community and environment that is supportive and set up to to be accepting of breastfeeding whenever I'm forced to pick one (laughs) thing like evil podcast interviews (laughs) I always actually go for something that's not directly about breastfeeding it's about valuing and supporting women so if you valued and supported mothers and we looked after them after birth we supported them in their decisions. We invested in maternity care so there were enough professionals. If we really valued it for how important it is, or even you know a tiny bit of how important it is, and we recognised the importance of supporting women rather than just letting them get on with it, then I think we'd actually go a huge way to helping them breastfeed. It's It's not you know, necessarily about sitting down and telling them about breastfeeding. It's making sure they're rested and looked after. So it comes back to the idea of how many cultures around the world treat women after birth. So it's about rest. It's about recovery. It's about rituals. When you read about them, they're fascinating. And when you really get into all these different rituals after birth around the world, they're all tied to different history and religion and traditions. And some of them are you look at them first, you think, well, what on earth is going on there? And then you realise it's about recovery. It's about valuing and celebrating the mother and baby. It's about nutrition. A lot of kind of afterbirth foods for mothers contain things like dates and honey, 
which have got loads of energy in them. And it's done in a really ritualistic way, but it's actually at the center of it. You can see the logic that it's about making sure she's all right. So it's that. I think if women were better supported in that way, fewer of them would actually develop the breastfeeding issues in the first place, which then go on to become even more complicated. Yeah, it's this idea of mothering the mother that has been so yeah. lost in our society because people people are more concerned about they care about you when you're pregnant and they're like, oh, look at your lovely bump and aren't you glowing? Aren't you wonderful? Then the baby arrives and it's like, OK, you know, just let me see the baby. Let me let me nurse the baby. And how am I going to bomb with a baby if you're breastfeeding and all these sorts of things? And it's like, you know, the way to support the mother, the the, the mother and the baby is to do everything else and just let the mummy get on with the active feeding um, and wouldn't it be lovely if we came back to that idea that's what I think and this leads me on to the next question about how people you know closest to the mummy can help them breastfeed because so often you hear mothers feel let down by the people closest to them so by friends and family members that perhaps just do not get breastfeeding because as you say we come from a generation of formula feeding and they just don't get breastfeeding and you know what suggestions would you have for moms to manage that negativity that might be coming at them? Yeah, it's about looking after them. So it's always going to be personalised to what they need. I can't, you know, sometimes people say, oh, what specific things can I do? And I was like, well, the specific thing you can do is talk to her and ask her what she needs because different people want different things. So the core thing though is is to look after her when you come to visit a house with a baby you're there to see the mother not just the baby it's not about can I come around and see the baby can I come and hold the baby it's like can we go around and celebrate and care for the new mother who was essentially just been born um, in that way so it's about anything that helps her recover and rest So if she is breastfeeding and that's what she wants to do and she doesn't want to give express milk, she doesn't want to be giving formula and maybe she does. But if she's in the situation where she wants to exclusively breastfeed, it's not about you going in and sitting down and holding the baby while she runs around after you. It's about thinking, (laughs) what can I do here? So how can I make her life easier? So maybe it might be holding the baby while she has a nap. Um, it might be taking the baby out for an hour for a walk. Others, m- mothers might think that's terrifying and they don't want to be separated. Mm-hmm. It might be putting the baby in a sling or it might be coming around and just chatting to her and being with her because being a new mother can be really, really isolating. Yeah. If you don't know other new mothers in particular and maybe you're a long way away from your family and sometimes you just want company. You don't even yeah. really want them to do anything. So make her tea, bring her cakes, make her meals. Um, if you can't cook, fun. get a takeaway, yeah. um, stock her cupboards, um, do some housework. Not that, you know, the housework is her job as a woman, but you know what I mean? Make the family life easier. Um, think about what you can do just to enable her to get as much rest as possible. And maybe she feels fine. Maybe she doesn't want to sit on the sofa, but she'll need rest in some way. So talking about rest in a emotional, spiritual, distance-based, whatever. Maybe she just wants to sit in the garden and stare into space on her own. Maybe she wants a bath. Maybe she wants to go to the woods and scream. Um, <laughs> anything. Just enable her to do what she wants to do yeah. so she can feel a bit more like her as well. 
God, yeah, I think that's what we really miss, isn't it? That that just time for us, that peace and quiet, yeah. or time to do whatever we want to do. Yeah, because when you're in the midst of that newborn phase and you're getting, you know, you're trying to establish breastfeeding, you know, you can't you can't imagine a time whenever you the baby won't be attached to you and you're you're really even though it's so early on you're you're craving I remember just craving alone time and just being like I just I just want to like go upstairs and like read a book or just do something that was normal and at the time it didn't feel possible but Amy hearing you talk about all these wonderful suggestions as to how to help the the mother it's so good because like it's so simple is just ask them what they want and it could be vacuuming vacuuming the house because you know I spoke to a mommy on the podcast a few weeks ago and her she just wanted her husband to vacuum and clean because she was a bit OCD about cleaning the house and you know her trying to breastfeed whilst knowing the house was in disarray really really stressed her out so when he did that she just was able to focus on feeding her daughter so you know something like that um, and it's, it's about I'm just thinking about the phrasing because it's a very British thing to do but we kind of go would you like me to do anything for you? Is there anything you need? And we go, oh, no, we're fine. Um, Even though we need some stuff generally. So it's about phrasing it. What would you like me to do for you? Um, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to accept that you're fine. What would you like? Would you like me to do this or that? And, you know, depending on the mother, some might be, you know, I want you to do this, 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 this for the next 10 years. (laughs) Thank you very much. Or others might be a bit like, oh, well, I I don't really want to, you know, impinge on you or make you do anything. But it's just showing that it's love, it's care. Or maybe she just wants someone to sit and drink tea with her. Yeah, and just to have a, an adult conversation with, yeah, yeah, completely. I wanted to take a little break in this episode to tell you more about our sponsors, Breast Friend. It's a brand that was started up in early 2021 by a mother and daughter duo who wanted to make breastfeeding easier and as fussy as possible. As well as their best-selling top pop fastener for clothes, they also have a range of eco-friendly muslins and tie-dye bottles. The muslin cloths can be used along with the top pop for more discreet breastfeeding, or they can be used on their own. The large swaddle blankets are perfect for wrapping up your little one or even mopping up spills and spit-ups. I love that the muslins and swaddles are made with organic cotton and bamboo, making them ultra soft against your skin. All Breast Friend accessories can be purchased online at www.breast-friend.co.uk. Moving moving our discussion on a little bit, Amy, you know, there's obviously a lot of mummies out there and perhaps some of them are listening today that breastfeeding, unfortunately, for one reason or another, has not worked out for them. And they've had to turn to formula or they're maybe combination feeding. And, you know, it lives on in their minds and in their hearts for a long time, you know, especially those women that really, really wanted to breastfeed. They really wanted to make it work. And they were so incredibly disappointed when, as I said, for one reason or another, it didn't work out. And I know that you talk a lot about breastfeeding, grief and trauma and how when mothers stop breastfeeding before they're truly ready to, how these negative emotions can almost take over. You know, they can feel anger, they can feel guilt and um and it stays with them so you know for anyone who's who's working through those feelings what advice would you give them I think one of the big things is to recognize that it's a completely normal reaction and it's something that has been missing from our conversations or recognition for a long time 
I think it's only really been recently that we've properly been talking about it. I mean, the concept of breastfeeding grief has been around for a while, but I think really we've got conversations going about it much better over the last couple of years or so. And it's just kind of accepting it, recognizing it in yourself that it's an absolutely valid way to feel. You wanted to be able to feed your baby in a certain way for whatever reason that was, whether it was, you know, because of um, a health impact, because it was important in your religion or tradition, or it was how you wanted to mother and care for your baby, or simply because you found it easier. I really, you know, it could be for whatever reason, but it was important for you. And I think just taking the time to pause and say that it's okay to grieve that and be angry at that, because for too long it's been dismissed and sort of swept under the carpet that, you know, you're kind of implied that you're a bit odd if you were still upset about it, or worse still, because this is never the case, that being upset, upset's a terrible word, isn't it? Grieving, being angry, being frustrated, far more than being a bit upset. Mm is no judgment on formula milk at all. It's nothing to do with that. You can be very grateful that formula milk exists, that you're able to give it to your baby, that you can afford it, um, that your baby is thriving and still be grieving the breastfeeding relationship at the same time. Because, you know, we're complex beings. We can have two competing emotions at the same time. And in other areas of life, it would be completely normal. So, you know, you can be really pleased I don't know that you've graduated from university and you're going off and you're getting a job and starting that phase of your life and still grieving what you've now lost so that way of life and those close friendships and in hindsight what was a laid-back way of living if you were young and without other responsibilities so we, we can recognize that in others and it does overlap a lot with birth trauma in that we recognise more now that you could be very distressed by a difficult birth for whatever reason that was difficult, even though your baby is healthy. You know, it's nothing to do with your baby doing being healthy. It's, it's your experience in all of this. So yeah. realise it, talk more about it. If you need additional support, think about counselling, think about talking to one of the breastfeeding helplines um, for free support, because they're not just there if you're breastfeeding, they can certainly talk you through this. Um, talk to, you know, um, a, a health professional and see if there is an avenue for counselling there, because it is important and it is important that you get the support from this. It's not some daft little thing. Yeah. If it's having a big impact on your life, it's having a big impact on your life and you're certainly not alone. I mean, the research I did around breastfeeding grief, I remember putting out um, a request for research participants who hadn't been able to breastfeed for as long as they want to and felt awful about that. And I had 2,000 responses in a week. Oh, my goodness. You know, the, the depth of it was just, it just struck a chord amongst people because for the first time, one of the first times, they'd been told that, actually, this is all right to feel like this. It's normal. We should talk about it more. Yeah. And I think even if it's been a long time since that, the breastfeeding journey finished for you, it's still, if it's still something that you preoccupies uh, your mind, then it's probably still, then it's probably something you should seek help for. And you shouldn't feel silly for doing it, maybe even years down the line. Um, you know, I've been fortunate that I, 
you know, I've had two successful breastfeeding journeys and, but I, but my first experience of breastfeeding trauma and grief was actually through my cousin, who's more like an aunt to me. And, you know, her breastfeeding journey started 30 years ago and she still feel, fills up with tears today talking about it, you know, cause she just thinks, oh, you, you've done so well to breastfeed your children. I wish I had been able to do it. But she, back then she did not get the support, um, you know, to, she was kind of told you need to either formula feed or breastfeed and you need to choose right now because your baby's losing weight, you know? So she was scaremongered basically. And, uh, and she like, yeah, she still fills up today thinking about it because it's obviously something that she really wanted to do. And for one reason or another, it just didn't work out. And that really hit home with me. I think, oh my goodness, imagine feeling those feelings still 30 years later. And that's really common. Um, A lot of, because I didn't put any age limit or duration in my research a lot of women with grown-up children were um, completing it and you know in this line of work you just talk to people all the time about how challenging their experiences will be have been and you know women in their 60s 70s 80s talk to me about it and I think it's quite a trigger point is when your own children start having babies and you either see them being able to breastfeed or not being able to breastfeed and it all comes flooding back. Um, and it's just that memory is so close that you find it really challenging then. So, you know, this extends through. You don't have to be a mum of a small baby to go and seek counselling for this. If it's still there in your mind and still at strength, you know, where you need support with it, go and get support with it. Some of the symptoms of being traumatized, you know, having recurring thoughts about things, um, not being able to be around triggers of of that thought, you know, having really strong emotions still. It doesn't really matter about the duration. Talk to somebody about it. Yeah. And as as you say, it it can almost come up again whenever you have a family member or a friend who years later is breastfeeding and suddenly these feelings all come to the fore and like you say are triggers so that's the time perhaps then to to seek help to call the helpline as you said Amy and thank you so much I'm going to pivot the conversation again Amy because I just want to ask you lots of different things um excuse me got a bit of a frog in my throat there um you recently published your you recently republished your 2016 book, Breastfeeding Uncovered, um, to include new case studies and research, as well as information on how the COVID pandemic has affected breastfeeding. Um, what have your findings been in relation to the impact of the pandemic on breastfeeding behaviours? I think to sum it up quite simply, it was very split. So to some extent, we had one group of mothers who were breastfeeding during COVID who actually felt that they had a better time almost because of the pandemic and the lockdown and the impact of all of this. Now, this was collected during the first lockdown and I really would have liked to see what had happened during the second lockdown, which was a lot more dismal because it was during the winter um, and, and the weather was worse. But that group of mothers felt that they actually had time to concentrate on them and their baby. So they felt that because visitors were kept away, um, because their partner was home with them and they tended to have supportive partners, because there was nowhere to be and no pressure to be out and about, then they could just sit and focus on their baby. And they found that 
they were making lots of milk, their baby was feeding well, um, they got into the swing of things and they felt that they just became that little family bubble and it was lovely. And they had all that kind of time together because their partner was either furloughed or working from home and could just connect. And it was all lovely. Um, unfortunately, not everybody had that experience. So you then had the mothers who kind of had the opposite. So they really missed family and friends. They had a mum who was really supportive of them breastfeeding and couldn't be there. And, and just the more I hear about, you know, these, these pandemic babies who haven't been held by anybody other than their parents, it's, it's just awful to think about. So they had this isolation. They found that breastfeeding was too intense because they had too much time. They missed the peer support groups. They were struggling and didn't know where to get support online. And as you can imagine, these were the women who were in the less privileged circumstances. So if you were living in a not so nice area, then as we know, people just generally struggled more with lockdown. It's all very nice to say, let's go on a walk when you live in a nice green leafy area or you live in the countryside or hills, or you can walk in the woods or along the beach, lovely. If you're living in you know, an inner city estate, it's less nice to pop out for a walk around the area for the evening. So that placed stresses on them. Those who were worried about jobs and money, those whose partner was home, but um, was not supportive of breastfeeding. So they had more of the pressure there. Um, those whose partner was out working in the NHS or for another key service. So they were worried about them there as well. And you, um, we knew that this was affected by deprivation. Um, and it's just this, these two sides of the story where one group of women who were already quite privileged and were able to access support had a better experience and those living in more challenging circumstances had an even worse one. And just the, the impact of all of that on them longer term, I, I just try to think what it will mean in terms of grief and trauma and carrying that, those experiences forward across the generations there. We also had stories of mother and baby being separated unnecessarily in hospitals. Um, in our sample, although we had quite a small number of um, babies that are in neonatal care overall, um, we had some who's, um, who were told that they couldn't visit their baby in neonatal care. And 80% of those stopped breastfeeding in the first six weeks because they were completely separated from their baby, compared to about 17% of those who were able to see their baby. And it's just heartbreaking, the knock-on impact of it all. And we keep stressing that we need something in place now to support these parents going forward, to make sure that we can never change it, we can never make it all better, but we can invest in stuff that makes it easier to cope with and stuff that helps people catch up a bit and reconnect and get the connections that they need yeah like you say it's just heartbreaking when you do hear like yes okay it's been it's been manageable for a lot of people but on the other hand it's been you know it's just been an awful experience and um and yeah I can't imagine months years down the line dealing with that and you know hopefully we get some uh 
you know, investment into maternal mental health services and things like that to help people because there's so many women out there, parents out there that, you know, have had babies during the pandemic and have basically had their whole maternity leave impacted. And, you know, it's definitely not been the experience that they anticipated. And then they're going back to work. And you can imagine all these negative emotions coming to the fore, can't you? You know, whether they're breastfeeding or not, you can imagine how they kind of feel a bit robbed of a of a, of a normal um, experience with their baby because they were hoping to get to those baby classes. They were hoping to introduce their babies to all the extended family and having everyone coo over their baby. And they were robbed of that. And it's, it's so upsetting when you when you hear that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's great that you have republished that book and have highlighted all those, you know, important factors. Um, for anyone that might be listening, Amy, who is breastfeeding and maybe struggling at the minute with it, um, what would your main piece of advice be to them? Go get help. Um, if you have any question, any type of pain, it's not meant to hurt. There is a difference between something being a little bit uncomfortable or different feeling when you first latch your baby on and pain. If there's anything that you consider pain, go and get help. And really, if there's anything that you f- feel uncomfortable with, go and get help. Um, there are people who can support you. And I think that's the main thing to get help as soon as you need it so that things don't become more and more complicated. Don't ever think, oh, it's just a little bit of a problem. Oh, it's just a little bit of pain. Um, Oh, it's just, you know, um, a little bit of discomfort here. I I won't bother anybody. Talk to your midwife, talk to your health officer, talk to one of the breastfeeding charities, talk to your midwife about if there are any peer support groups around you. Um, Look online. There are some great Facebook Um, peer support groups that are active that are there to help you I think that would just be the biggest bit we can solve these problems but we need to get to you and we need to be able to support you Um, and if you wait too long problems can become more and more complicated where they could have been fixed earlier on yeah as you say you know feeling sore having those sore nipples you know something needs to be rectified there and it can be so easy just to put it off oh well I'll you know I'll call somebody or I'll look into it tomorrow but you know those issues can escalate quite quickly to the point where you feel really really in pain and you're maybe crying at each feed Um, and you know the number of mama stories that we publish on boobing it who talk about the first breastfeeding journey with their first baby and how they shied away from asking for support for one reason one reason or another they kind of just internalized everything and they didn't reach out for help and then when baby number two came They were like, I'm not going to do that again. I am going to have the helplines to hand. I'm going to have the websites to hand. I'm going to have, you know, my midwife on speed dial or whatever. You know, it's just having, and I always think if you're going to prepare at all for breastfeeding, it's to have, you know, the the support lines on your, you know, the helplines on your phone are written down somewhere so that, you know, when when you hit a bump in the road, give somebody a call. Even if it's, even if it doesn't even have to be a professional, it could be your friend that you know that breastfed a few years ago. Or, you know, just to have a cry on the phone to somebody. I just think it all helps just to talk, as you say, just talk about it. And there's no such thing as a stupid question. Someone will have asked it before you. Um, And, you know, the worst case situation is that they're like, oh, that's normal, actually. No, everything seems fine. Great. (laughs) There we go. Um, They, you know, and don't worry about getting upset. You know, the breastfeeding helplines, the peer supporters are just 
oh someone's crying again oh that's normal yeah <laughs> you know it's just what we do yeah um, you're not going to be the first person to ask the question to have the issue or to cry um so and they these people are trained they're quite often volunteers they want to help you they're not you know being forced to help you in some way they're really passionate about this and they're often passionate about it because they've had these problems themselves so quite often why people are going to peer support or train to become a breastfeeding counselor or a lactation consultant is because they've had really tricky times themselves and want to be able to give back and support other women through it so that they don't have these problems yeah exactly and a few podcast episodes ago we talked about the importance of peer support and the peer supporters role and I'm a breastfeeding peer supporter because as you say I availed of that um support service whenever I was breastfeeding my first child and really struggling and you know I was one of those people that didn't shy away from asking for support I I tried to get support from any anywhere I could get it because I really wanted to make breastfeeding work and I was determined and I remember crying down the phone to this peer supporter lady and you know I don't even remember what she said to me, but I just remember that she was there and she listened and she was just a very reassuring person to speak to. And you know what they say about, you don't remember what people say to you, but you remember how they make you feel. And she made me feel like, you know, my feelings were valid and she just was very soothing. And then, you know, when it came to having my second child, I was like, I want to train to be a breastfeeding peer supporter. I want to try and give back. And, uh, you know, even if it's just, even if it's just phoning up and having a cry, it's amazing what relief you get from that. Completely. A lot of it is actually emotional support. It's just knowing someone else is there. Someone is listening to you half the time. You know, it doesn't need to be a practical thing to do. It is just that connection and, and care and knowing that you are being listened to and valued and, and thought about. And it can go a long way. And this is one of the things when you know, women say, oh, I'm finding breastfeeding really, really tough. He fed so many times last night. I'm exhausted. You know, they quite often get told, oh, we'll just give a bottle then. And it's like, no, I just want to be able to whinge. Thank you very much. Yeah. Let me whinge about all sorts of things like my job. And you don't tell me to leave that. Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's it's just that it's that emotional connection that we're missing I think for breastfeeding in our day-to-day lives so it's so important that it's, it's there well I think that's a really nice way to uh, finish off our um our episode Amy thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your all your wonderful knowledge about breastfeeding with us all so I really really appreciate it okay thank you for having me <laughs>Thank you again to breast friend for sponsoring this episode of the boobing it podcast do check out their range of eco-friendly products on www.breast-friend.co.uk including a special new mama pack which includes their top pop pack three muslins and a large swaddle blanket this would make a perfect gift for you or someone else for listening to this episode you can find the latest breastfeeding information articles and stories on boobingit.com and you can also join the boobingit community on facebook instagram and twitter see you in the next show